you are listening to This Book I Read, a podcast from Beyond Cataclysm. Okay, um, welcome to This Book I Read, a podcast from Beyond Cataclysm, where we talk to authors about a book that has stuck with them through the years, for good reasons or sometimes bad ones. My name is Chris, he, him, also known as C.M. Lowry. I love to read and write sci-fi and recently released a book of flash fiction called The Die Decides. Find out more about me at allaboutchris.org or on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as at CM Lowry Author. We are not here to talk about me. This is the moment I welcome Baron Von Michael to the show, author of Professor Elemental's Garden of Escapades and Escape from Elemental Manor. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Tell me a little bit about Professor Elemental in two sentences. Only two. Uh, Professor Elemental, a uh, hip-hop artist moving in the spheres of uh, steampunk, I would say. Yes. If you check out um, Professor Elemental online, you'll find an incredibly eclectic mix of very idiosyncratic steampunk Victoriana rap stuff and comics and books. Um and you've been involved in the writing of the role-play game. That's right. So basically, it was a few years back. If you remember on Twitter, Wendy's, the American fast food chain, announced that they had a role-playing game printed on the back of that little stupid paper they put inside the trays. Yeah. At least that's what I imagined. I think it was like a PDF on the website. Um, so I thought, if they have it, Professor Elementals should definitely have it. Nice. So you were you were trying to outcompete when did you do a, a, a range of fast food as well? Um, there is apparently if you listen to one of his songs, there's a range of bacon. I think <laughs> a range I of bacon. HP sauce, maybe HP sauce would be more appropriate. You know. Um, excellent. That's fine. I'm sure we're going to learn a little bit more about Professor Elemental as we go through. Um, but why is it that you've come on the podcast? Well, there's this book I read. Okay, Michael, so what book have you brought for us today and why? I'm going to change the tone of the interview already because um, this book I am reading is really serious <laughs> it's not whimsical at all although maybe it is a little bit it's called the song lines it's a book by bruce chatwin who used to be very famous and now is not very famous such um, such is the fickle nature of fame eh it's uh literary uh literary life i guess um it is a Remarkable and satisfying book, according to the blurb on the front. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is because I read it every year. 
I reread it um, minutely, and I find something new every time. Uh, and so that's why when you invited me to come and chat, um, I had it to hand. Excellent. I mean, would you get what's a what's a brief synopsis? Maybe maybe not reading it off the front or the back, just out of your own kind of heart. The Songlines is superficially a book about an English guy who goes to Australia to research for the, for the book itself. <laughs> and he wants to know about um, ancient Australian customs and traditions and stuff uh, that the native people still practice uh, even today. And that is indeed like, we learn a bit about that. Um, it, but it's kind of a trick as a book because halfway through, uh, it switches to a huge, what can you call it? Sort of eclectic um, selection of other books, actually. It just is a huge bunch of quotations um, from totally different books and odd stories that the author has collected throughout his life. And uh, in that way, it's kind of a last will and testament because Bruce Chatwin actually died sadly, after writing the book, very shortly after, I believe. And uh, that was in the 80s. He sort of tragically died of AIDS. His funeral was very famous because it was a little strange. It was a sort of eclectic funeral as well. Um, and he was kind of a rock star back in the day as an author. Um and then I guess, I don't know, but I assume he's been pretty quickly forgotten. Um, and the book itself kind of has that dual aspect in that it's superficially pretty funny. It's got a lot of anecdotes. Yeah. Uh, Australian humor, British humor is in there. Uh, but it's actually about really serious stuff. You know, life and death, war and peace, like honest to goodness, serious stuff. So yeah, that's why I love it. Every year it kind of hooks me in. Uh, it sounds, it sounds intriguing. Have you got a, have you got a, a favorite quote you'd like to read us? Yes. Um, I will, I will tell you how it's, how the quotation section starts out. What am I doing here? That's apparently Rambo writing home from Ethiopia. So. Um, the book is about travel, right? Um, I have traveled a whole bunch, willingly and unwillingly. And um, so this book kind of resonates with me. I did it the wrong way. I did it the opposite way. When I was young, my parents left England for the tropics. And when we came back, I had a hard time figuring out why people are like they are back in Europe. Bruce. In, at least he writes, um, had a kind of idyllic childhood. Um, and he writes that his two aunts used to tell him stories in between the bombs falling on Britain, um, used to tell him stories about Australia. I also knew, this is the quote, I also knew from my great aunt Ruth that Australia was the country of the upside downers. A hole bored straight through the earth from England would burst out under their feet. Why don't they fall off? I asked. Gravity, she whispered. 
So it's kind of full of these jokes, right? Um, that kind of trick you into thinking this is a lighthearted book. Yeah. Um, and as you slowly kind of progress from one anecdote to another, they get more and more, let's say, um, bro- broken up, jumbled up. And you, you start to get maybe confused or, I guess, intrigued. And by the time that he's introduced all the themes of Australian Aboriginal art and ceremonies and songs, I guess the idea is that you're kind of a bit more open to receive this idea, this information. At least that, that's how it seems to me. Uh, because up until he wrote this book, Bruce Chatwin was into normal books. <laughs> you could say most of his books are pretty ordinary novels. Yeah. On 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 one level. But this book is definitely not. It is very odd. It is very broken and very strange. It, it and sounds that like is what I love about it. Yeah, it sounds like it's operating on on a lot of levels. What's your what's your favorite thing about the book? This I think I've already said it really. This book is a kind of broken book. Um, Bruce wanted to write a book originally called The Nomadic Alternative, which was basically saying that human beings need to wander, migrate, and like it's in our nature. And um, that if we don't, then we kind of get sick. We kind of get stuck in routine. We lose sight of the bigger picture of life and it has like devastating effects. But, um, for many reasons that book never was published. And so he basically lived out his life, um, to demonstrate his thesis. You could say, so did he, did and he that write, really speaks to me. Did he write yeah. that book then? Isn't that book, book exists, exists and is unpublished. It exists unpublished as a manuscript. It's sitting in a in a library, um, and uh, excerpts from it appear in the songlines as so-called quotes from the notebooks. Okay, as if they were tidbits that he picked up on his journeys. Um, and the book it pretty much parallels my other favorite book, which is Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which is, it's also a book that seems like it's just about a road trip across America. And that's literally all that happens in the story. They go from place A to place B. Uh, But what the book is actually about is the story that he's telling through that journey. And what the story is actually about is this kind of massive philosophical upheaval that he had personally. Yeah, there's there's also um, uh, Don Miller wrote uh, Through Painted Deserts, which was also known as, uh, what was it? Prayer and the Art of Volkswagen Maintenance, uh, which is a, a similar a similar concept of just a, a long journey across America, but kind of a real kind of philosophical and kind of spiritual upheaval in their own personal kind of life at the same time. Um, I love this kind of book because I feel like a lot of the time that's what I'm missing or that's what we are missing. Um, we talk about philosophy, we talk about 
ethics, we talk about um, science even, uh, but we think of it as just being in a box somewhere, like neatly stacked on the on the shelf. But actually, those things are huge. <laughs> and um, if we don't if we don't get back to those uh, those big ideas, I think as a civilization, you know, I like this idea of beyond cataclysm <laughs> because I feel like we probably have gone through a few, but there could be more coming. I mean, I think, I think um, every, I think every, every culture, every generation experiences some kind of big, kind of fundamental break. I mean, we are now chatting through video, internet, whatever. You're on a phone, which is a computer in your pocket. I, I, I keep hearing um quite a lot of people have been quoting it recently. The idea that when you were in school and you were doing maths, your teacher would say to you, "You need to learn maths because you're not just going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket when you grow up." Um, and then, of course. Everybody is not only walking around with a calculator in the pocket, but they're walking around with something far better at maths than we could ever be or ever hope to be in our pockets. And those those kind of but there's so many of those kind of um eye-opening moments. I'm I'm very interested by this, uh by this the idea of this story. Um well, it's kind of a story and a kind of almost like a thesis, you're kind of saying that the song lines is. It is literally his thesis, but it's turned into digestible chunks because you go on this journey with Bruce. His narrator has the same name, but it's kind of a coincidence. Um, you meet people in pubs, in Australian pubs. Um, you encounter the land rights movement, people trying to help the Australian First Peoples, the First Nations guys, to get their land back. Um, and you slowly are drawn into that world. And by the time you've heard enough anecdotes about strange things happening and people's odd lifestyles, like there's a priest living in an old shack uh, after his mission has closed down. And he actually is, ki he seems kind of happy about it, that his kind of, his whole life has been swept away and he's living in this like tin roof, basically. Um, or you meet kind of, you know, old, uh, old, like classic Australian types who are, uh, living on kind of steaks and beer, um, and, you know, super aggressive, but then suddenly very sentimental and emotional as well. You know, you meet people and then you slowly see that he's trying to tell you something. And by the end of the book, it's maybe not even that clear what he's trying to tell you. And I like books that you can come back to because they take you on a real journey, not just A to B. Yeah. Um, one of the things he quotes, I believe it's actually a quotation from the book, is that the perfect book would be a collection of quotations. Um, so other people's books. So it's not, it's not a writerly book, it's a readerly book. Um, yeah, and and I think he takes us. I, yeah, I, I like on. I like that because we get obviously we have a lot of writers on the on the show, and we do we get people who have quite like probably bring quite writerly books. Uh, like a, we just had a void um, in the previous episode, which is with a which is a whole book that doesn't have the letter e, uh, and is 
uh, at points is described as being a bit of a challenge to read, but is it, you know, but is is exciting because of what a kind of a writerly challenge it is. So yeah, it's nice to nice to hear that idea of it being readerly. Hey, Void, I've just got the joke, sorry. Um, yeah, it is a bit like a joke that you struggle to get. He sucks you in with the fun stuff, and then you're reading about something really terrible. Like, uh, let me quote, like, almost any of these, really. <laughs> Trigger warning that there is, unfortunately, some of the stuff that you hear in kind of many colonial stories uh, in this book. There is, there is. Um it is a confrontation with that like colonial past as well, which I find kind of um, healing for me almost because <laughs> I feel like it's something that I've experienced in my childhood and it's never talked about mostly in Europe, not in the UK that I've experienced, certainly not in Germany. Um, here's the little story he tells. It's in Picos. I'm going to say this wrong. <laughs> it's in Picos, Piauí, Brazil. Sleepless night in the Charm Hotel. The sleeping sickness bug is endemic in this region, which has one of the highest infant mortality rates in the world. At breakfast time, the proprietor, instead of serving my eggs, thwacked his fly swat onto my plate and removed a mottled brown insect by the leg. Mata gente. He said gloomily, it kills people. The stucco facade is painted a pale mint green with the words Charm Hotel in bold black letters. A leaking gutter pipe has washed away the letter C. So it now reads dot dot dot. <laughs> there's one of there's one of the quotes where you're kind of transitioning between a basically a joke book of funny stories. Yeah. And kind of you know charming amusing stories uh from your kind of uh well-traveled uncle to something a little bit darker and grimmer but but the point is always actually quite hopeful the point is always that in travel we discover ourselves you know staying in a hotel is kind of harmful that's kind of like the the message, but traveling itself is is the antidote. Like moving is the antidote. It's a it's um, a, it's quite a. I mean, I like I say, I'm I'm interested in reading. It. I think my own personal experience of life, like uh, I've got I've got books that I that I turn to that I really enjoy called things like the wisdom of stability, uh, and some of the kind of like lessons I've learned about the idea of actually. If, of not journeying and of staying still but i definitely came to that place having spent a lot of time journeying first you know like as in i went to you know i spent some time in america and south africa um and and now i live in a in a you know deprived estate in the heart of northern england and hope to be here forever uh but i still you know i still think you know those those drives that i have to to journey and to to uh, it sounds sounds fascinating um are there any problems or challenges that you have with the book? That's why I read the book. I read this book to be challenged. 
I mean, it was it was written in the 1980s. It's in many ways a superficial book, um, as were the 1980s. <laughs> it as I as I read it, it makes me feel like I'm you know waiting in a big glamorous airport lounge, um, and that whole like vision of the world that it everything belongs to us for some value of the word us and everywhere is open uh in a sense is a beautiful vision and it's what that's what chatwin lived through the 80s as a kind of rock star it's and that's that's maybe that's the only challenging thing for me in this book honestly i read it to be challenged i want to have that feeling of you know what this is how i see myself right as this kind of uh very uh civilized guy know everything i can do everything but actually i'm not <laughs> and i need that i love having that challenge and that reminder actually i'm very human <laughs> and i need that uh i need to go and walk around a bit sometimes i need to i need to be myself and I think uh, the challenge is is there. Um, the challenge is there for a reason. Every time I read it, every year it becomes. Uh, I don't think that it's a great textbook, by the way. I'm sure that it's full of all kinds of misrepresentations. And um, yeah, I think it, it's probably word? It, it's worth cultural appropriation. Appropriation. I think it's yeah. worth pointing out that both myself and Michael have absolutely no kind of right to be talking about kind of aboriginal culture or first nations sort of stuff necessarily um and then probably neither neither did bruce chatwin either necessarily um but that you know i think as long as we go in with our eyes open and don't declare ourselves to have the kind of the right to to, to own any of this history or this heritage i think that's fine yeah and that's that's why i think people had trouble with it when the book was published you know People said, oh, it's a marvelous book, it's beautiful, it's fascinating, all this sort of stuff. I think the one of the blurbs on the back of the copy I've got does mention that um, Aboriginals are horribly treated in Australia, and this is part of the picture it paints. Um, I, don't think, I don't think personally it, it covers any of that up. At, if anything, I've discovered more and more kind of like terrible things in the book as I've read it again. Um, and even at one point, one of the characters who's kind of the real hero of the book, he's kind of a lawyer on behalf of the land rights movement. He actually says that there's almost no hope for the land rights movement in so many words. So I'm sort of like, oh, my goodness, you know. And the the other thing is that the other thing that comes out and that is hard to take nowadays still um, is that that character also says, well, if there's a future for the world, it's uh, it's ascetic, it's ascesis, it's like uh, giving up your stuff, giving up your possessions, and that that is the other side of it. Mo moving means leaving. And uh, in Chatwin's other books, he talks about um, people who stayed. There's a book about two twins who lived together all their lives on a Welsh uh, farm. 
um, and they try sort of try not to hate each other. And there's a story about a porcelain collector who becomes almost a slave to his collection of fine ornaments. Um, and so a lot of a lot of it is about is about that. Um, how can you live with yourself <laughs> when um, when you have stuff? His short answer is you can't. <laughs> I know, right? We're RPG enthusiasts. We have a bunch of stuff which almost no one uh, no as, one needs. Right? As Michael, as Michael <laughs> said, that I pointed to behind me to the thousand CDs and the entire the entire <laughs> wall I have of books that goes up towards the ceiling. Like, uh, yeah, stuff. It can uh, it traps us. There was um, there was a game store I used to go to in Germany, and uh, they expanded out of a comic store basement one shelf of books into a whole giant like almost department store feeling kind of of book of books games rpgs whatever you can think of and one time the guy uh, who ran it i knew him quite well by that time said to me you know no one needs anything that we sell and i yeah i said to him yeah but what you guys selling dreams man like <laughs> I, you I guys what, are selling dreams. <laughs> I think I think especially with RPG, I think it's one of the things that's you know, we've we started off just as a publisher just focused on kind of fiction and uh and we and well and actually punk tour stories. So that's probably a like a, a paper cuts was uh was our first book. Um but yeah, what I like about RPG and what I like about games is is they bring people together. So you know, like whilst they don't need the piece of paper like i do i do like the fact that we create dreams but we create shared dreams as well um and i think that's that is part of our part of our humanity what um so with the song lines um why should people who are listening now hunt it out what should why should they be, you know, take that take that step to to listen to to read the song lines? I won't ram down the throat of anybody that I'm feeling old, but I remember <laughs> when the internet was born, <laughs> and I think that the song lines takes you back to a world just before that, mm. when in order to gather together interesting stuff, you had to work for it really, really hard. And maybe that's maybe that's still the only way to work for it, um, really. And so, in this world of internet overload, it's a beautiful place to start um, gathering stories, or like take an example of someone who went to gather stories. Yeah, I mean, I think that. I, I mean, I also think it's funny because whilst I agree, and I think. I'm, when you said that, that really excited me and interested me. But I'm also like, also, you could have read this book in the '80s and had all of his experiences of traveling and all of that all put together for you in a very nice, neat little paperback. So actually, they didn't they didn't need the internet either. Then you just needed to read a book. But I I, I do I totally what get what you mean about that kind of fundamental shift that we've had. The idea that the idea that you almost don't need to go anywhere and you could just have it all fed to you through YouTube. Uh, and that you, you, there's, there's something really fundamental that we miss if that's what we're doing. It's a scary idea. The, re the real danger is not that you have the info or you don't have the info, but that it's not 
personalized. We hear a lot about personalized experiences, but I think what you said about RPGs is way more true. That when you bring people together and you let this this book didn't find me. Um, this book found me. I didn't find it. I got it off the bookshelf in Germany when I was looking for a job. Uh, otherwise, I would never have tried to read it. And I think that's something that we totally miss out on uh, with media, mostly. We, when you bring people together, there's a different dynamic. You can, actually, um, you can actually see it happening. Why should people listening hunt it out for a read? Is there any other element to it that you think is really interesting? Yeah, I would say it's eclectic. I mean, half of the book is a compilation of very mixed bag of quotes uh, from hundreds of other authors, or it feels like it, <laughs> and um, little anecdotes. And I feel like that's kind of like my ideal way to do role playing as well. You shouldn't, you don't need to give people a coherent world necessarily. What you need to do is provide little snippets of inspiration. Um, have you ever, almost have, you ever played, like, have you ever played the game Troika? I've totally been inspired by Troika. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I love that game. Yeah. So for that, for those of you who don't know, Troika is a game, a very bizarre role playing game. Um, but what it really yeah. focuses on is little little vignettes, incredibly crunchy, specific, um, weird ideas for each of its each of the kind of the archetypes of character that you can become and then you fit into a a luminously mad world but but what it does is it really brings life to each of those if those glimpses into madness yeah and it lets you as a player as well have a say in what your character is going to be you don't need to conform like to some thick book of uh, every detail of who you are you can kind of figure it out as you go along right yeah, I, I actually I just wrote a um I, ju I just finished a game this week um that I'm uh, that we're releasing as Beyond Cataclysm called Operation Santa, uh, very topical for something we're recording at the end of May, uh, and and Santa stands for the strategic annihilation of a nefarious tentacled alien, um, and so it it's an upending of any kind of Christmas myth and has like a horrible monstrous tentacled alien at the North Pole, uh, but as as part of that all of the all of the monsters in it um, have got Morkborg stats, but they've also got they've got Troika stats. And I love the writing with Troika because you have these these mien to describe your characters, don't you? It's very poetic. That's very Lovecraftian. Putting the alien on the North Pole too, very good. <laughs> yeah, and so he was so, afraid of the cold. So, so how how do you how do you think songlines fits into that idea of of role playing and of identity? The the idea that you can kind of eclectically combine um, inspirations along your own personal journey, that is what really appeals to me. And it seems to me that that's an idea that almost underlies a lot of, um, a lot of things anyway. Like I, I always found it very kind of like disappointing when people told me how to play Dungeons & Dragons. I was like, is that really all there is to it? <laughs> it seems like really basic. You guys are explaining it like it's some kind of revelation to you. Like this is a, an amazing system, but this is like really simple, dude. 
it's like this is like a board game simple to me to me as a as you know from my background and um and i was like but yeah but this is like on your journey this has been something that made sense to you and i think those people are kind of explaining it from their point of view like when they discovered it that's how it felt to them maybe you know <laughs> and and i think that we we lose track of that ability to relate to a new perspective and that that's why i like the song lines as broken as it is um because it it kind of it kind of jars you out of your sensibility and it's a book so it's possible to digest it slowly unlike the internet <laughs> i've heard it's possible to you know to log off of the internet but uh i i, I think that's a lie that's one of those myths any other recommendations if people enjoy the song lines i've got two directions you could go yeah um if you want to get really postmodern and like meta narrative go with the dictionary of the khazars which is um a book in three books and they're all alternate narratives for the same event which is kind of an event which is lost in history it's like the kind of mythical conversion of this tribe which really did exist in in Europe or this kingdom which existed and whether they converted to Islam or uh, Christianity or Judaism and you never find out what's the real answer that's not really the point of the book uh but you see the story from three different narrators basically um so it's kind of like it's kind of out there it's kind of meta but it's a, basically a fun read that sounds that sounds fascinating uh, what's what's the other one the other one would be um i think we mentioned zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance before yeah we did i think so yeah it's going more like in the opposite direction it's more like a bit of a coherent story again it's kind of like it's a little bit heady it's a little bit over intellectual maybe but the basic story is is really cool it's a journey and it's about this guy's relationship with his son effectively um i i actually think and, the the lightness of the journey helps you to digest the the chunkier elements of it you know like the the flitting between the two yeah yeah that's totally true like another thing that i thought of um on this on this journey that we went on um about role playing games and about song lines if it's if the thesis is true that you need to be moving and discovering things in life and that pretty much all of our problems come from a lack of that a very simple explanation for why rpgs is are fun or are good for you is is that you um you're inventing things you're discovering things someone else is inventing um you're doing kind of what tolkien calls escaping not in the bad way but like in the good way of escaping into a new reality or you have a new idea of reality i mean i mean and um, that is that's because what that's maybe what, your life is stressful right <laughs> and i mean and that's what good books are i mean my experience i'm i'm reading what am i reading i'm reading a 40 a, a warhammer 40k novel at the moment um but uh 
But falling into that book, I'm just there. Do you know what I mean? I'm just in another world. Um, and that is, well, that's the joy of books. Uh, I, I probably got one that I'd add in. I'm not sure it really fits in with song lines, but it, it probably fits in with that first book that you recommended. Um, Civilizations by Laurent Binet, um, which is a French name, and I've probably pronounced terribly. Laurent Binet. Um, I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's a fascinating story. It takes the idea that when the um, Americans, not the Americans, when the Spanish uh, went over to Central America back in like 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, or whenever that specific episode happened, um, basically what it does is it upturns history and has the Aztecs killing all the Spaniards and then fly, and then sailing to Europe to to work out where these these people have come from. And basically through a number of political things and luck and just the the Aztec uh, human sacrifice religion ends up taking over Europe um, instead of instead of kind of Christianity and Catholicism and all of that that stuff. And it's just yeah, it's just a really interesting, um, a really interesting one. And I think what I find fascinating about it, and I think this is where it ties in with songlines a bit, is because it has these kind of these first world people. You know, it has the the Incas. Um, I think it's Incas or Aztecs, one of those two, coming over and kind of viewing medieval Britain with their eyes and like their their kind of approach to things, which is just. I mean, it's very upside down because it involves building pyramids and and chopping people's heads off, um, but. But well, I suppose chopping people's heads off—it's quite on on track for medieval uh, or kind of Middle Ages. Britain, I'm going to say we did a little bit of that as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the similarities are there. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yes, that's a good read. Fantastic! So, thank you very much for being with us, Michael. It's been—it has been an eclectic romp, I would say. Good, good. <laughs> um, we we've also touched on role play. Uh, I, I plan to have Michael on the podcast uh, on a different podcast. We also run what is role play, uh, a beginner friendly look at role play games. If you don't know anything about role play games and you're listening to this podcast because you like books, there's actually a whole world of very interesting kind of literature and ideas that's worth exploring within role play. So check out episode one of that to. Uh, have a bit of a, an idea about that. Michael, what role play stuff do you do? I am the unfortunate inventor of Professor Elemental's Garden of Escapades, which was a really tiny role playing game released during 2020 and um, enjoyed very tiny sales. Uh, but we also released a follow up, which is D&D 5e compatible, bizarrely, um, which was called Escape from Elemental Manor and even had color pictures in it. Wow, uh, like full color pictures, amazing. I've only ever seen black and white pictures before. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. Um, I believe the first, the first game is now free, so just download it and have a laugh. And the second uh, version, I think we made it free as well because of all the ogl stuff uh but if it's still not free we'll donate the proceeds to ukraine charities awesome that's fantastic uh brilliant so we are pretty much finished there i'm just gonna 
say our normal little blurb, which is that this has been a podcast from Beyond Cataclysm. Uh, we we like as Beyond Cataclysm, we're a little publisher, but we also stock other people's books. Hence, hopefully, stocking some of Michael's stuff. Uh, and we love to work with cool and interesting people making exciting, creative things. One of the creative things we do is podcasts, which you probably know because you're listening to me and Michael on one right now. Uh, and we uh, we rely on the beautiful and wonderful Dave at Beyond Cataclysm. Let's just say hello, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Uh, we we are absolutely indebted to the work that Dave does editing taking photos, editing, like telling me that I've written things wrong, being just generally all around wonderful. And so the aim for 2023 for Beyond Cataclysm is to sustainably pay Dave a vast wage so he can retire and stop helping us. Uh, and you can support us at patreon.com forward slash beyond cataclysm and support us by buying things at beyondcataclysm.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening. Michael, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. We'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye.